currently right now we're a free product. Um, oh, so we are, we're, yeah, we're pre-monetization. Um, we're, we're being used, as I mentioned, across a little over 6,000 companies today, meaning we have, you know, anywhere from, you know, several to dozens to hundreds of users inside of these companies and we're spreading pretty quickly. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Henry Shapiro. He's the co-founder of Reclaim.ai, an intelligent calendar assisted uh, assistant used by over 6,000 companies across the globe. Before starting the company, he led product and marketing teams at New Relic for five years. He's based out of Portland, Oregon. Henry, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, let's go for All right, it. So this is, this is a super tough space. You know, X.ai came on the scene a couple of years ago, raised a boatload of money, and then basically flash sold for... And you know ev- no one made any money basically on that deal recently. Calendly is very hot there, I think, on your cap table as well. What are you doing different in the space where you're seeing like extreme stickiness on your customer base? It's a great question. Um, so I think the, the first thing is... Um, and thanks for having me, by the way. Of um, course. Uh, the first thing is I think we, we really... You know, when we started the company, our, our intention was not, hey, let's go out and build a better calendar or let's go out and build a better scheduling service. Um, you know, we, you know, we came out of, uh, obviously new relic and had experienced kind of the pain firsthand of being, you know, busy middle managers who were constantly just trying to kind of grapple to get every last little bit of time that we could for our priorities and constantly running into that challenge of like the calendar sort of feeling like a debt you have to pay down every week instead of an actual reflection of the work you need to get done. And so we, we actually came at this problem being sort of dev and monitoring nerds, not even thinking about the calendar. Initially, we only were thinking about this problem of like, how do you get people and teams focused on the right stuff? And I think because we asked that question first, instead of asking the question of like, well, the calendar sucks, let's build a new calendar or scheduling sucks, let's build a better scheduler. Um, we really tried to hone in on like the workflows and automation that people need. And we really leaned into the existing platforms uh, like Google Calendar, like Calendly um, uh, instead. And so I think part of what makes us sticky is we're not asking people to go out and adopt an entirely new calendar service or platform. We're not going out and asking people to adopt, in many cases, even an entirely new like task manager. Um, We're acting as sort of a hub for intelligently scheduling the time that you need and keeping it flexible so that you're sort of able to accommodate other types of commitments. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing that's a little different about how we approach this space that kind of gets into some of the, you know, call it the secret sauce of the product is, um, you know, we recognize that time blocking was one of those things that like, if it was just as easy as me going on my calendar Sunday night and blocking out every single event and putting the word busy on it, um, there probably wouldn't be much software or much opportunity around this space. There's kind of two problems that people run into when they try to block their timeout. The first is that it's not adaptive, so it doesn't sort of accommodate inbound conflicts. The second, and the one that we really try to address, is it's just not realistic. You know, if you're the kind of person who has a really slammed calendar, um, you need to be available for meetings. You need to be available for collaboration. And actually, if you block out your whole calendar, you're probably creating even more work for yourself because now you've got like people pinging you on Slack and saying, 
hey, there's no time on your calendar. Can I get a few minutes? You know, can you move this thing? Um, and so what we do is we actually kind of act like a circuit breaker for your calendar, where if you've got plenty of time you know, during the week to get your stuff done, we'll kind of look at that and we'll run simulations. We run millions of simulations daily against calendars and basically try to figure out, like, are you running out of time to do this thing? And if the answer is no, we'll put the time down, but we'll mark it as free. In fact, when you uh, scheduled, when we scheduled this meeting, it overlapped with a habit that I had, but that habit was marked as free. And What's the habit? Proved it. Uh, the habit was reviewing PRs. Uh, I spend a lot of time here uh, reviewing pull requests and you know, making sure that the team's staying on track. And um, that. and so that gets moved to later in the afternoon. And actually it got marked as busy. I was just looking at my calendar because your claim was like, hey, you're running out of time to get this thing done. So, Henry, so I just product, think we're a little product, more... Yeah. The product makes sense to me. Just I want to get as much as we can here in the 15 minutes. So the product makes total sense to me. Um, take me a little bit into, if people want to use this thing, what's the average customer paying you per month to use the tech? Currently right now we're a free product. Um, oh, so we're, free. we're... Okay. Yeah, we're pre-monetization. Um, we're we're being used, as I mentioned, across a little over six thousand companies today. Meaning we have you know anywhere from you know several to dozens to hundreds of users inside of these companies, and we're spreading pretty quickly. So, how do you um, think about like? And first off, do you have any need to put up a pricing paywall, or how long can you go without charging? I mean, you look yeah. at your burn, your headcount, etc. Yeah, we're 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 in a good position in terms of um, in terms of monetization. You know, we're basically. I'd say a couple of years away from the sort of the edge of the cliff. And we're at a really good point in terms of product market fit and sort of the demand for the product. Um, and so we've actually had a pricing page up on our site for two years. Mm -hmm. um, and we put pricing out there because we know that it's really hard for people to standardize on anything if they don't really know what to expect once the thing becomes, you know, uh, a paid product. So how does that um, work? You have it up, but you're, you basically have a cross tower. It says free through 2021. And is this basically enabling you to drive urgency? So people are like, you're like, sign up this year because we're going to charge yep. soon. Not only that, we have a referral program where you can refer people to Reclaim and get future credit against paid Reclaim. And that's actually been a really successful program for us. That's super um, interesting. Now, you can only afford to do this, though, because you've raised capital, right? So talk to me about your funding story. How much have you raised to date? Yeah, we've raised uh, $6.3 million um, in total. Um, we had a pretty unconventional path, I'd say, to fundraising. We you know, left New Relic. Um, we're sort of we we had been working on this concept for a little while. What, um, what year was that, by the way? When did you launch? 2019? We launched in 2020. Our first feature was January 2020, but we incorporated in June of 2019. And we left okay. New Relic in April. And so we were you know, having a lot of discussions with investors kind of pre-product. And we actually, I wrote an article about it on, on TechCrunch, if, if you're interested. Um, but basically, you know, we kind of got to this place where the story alone um, was not basically getting us to the terms that we really wanted to see and to the investors that we really wanted to see. And so we sort of took a step back and we said like, look, we're, you know, we're pretty incremental people by nature and we tend to sort of err on the side of shipping to learn. And so we, uh, we ended up raising a very, very small, well, relatively small chunk of money that was just basically enough for uh, Patrick and I, my co-founder, um, to basically start building the product. How much, how much was that, Henry? We raised about a half million on safes, um, and then we raised another million in safes um, uh, about six months after that. Okay, so, uh, like that, was, so that was five million pre-seed. Yeah, basically. that that was essentially our pre-seed round. Yeah, and the yeah. safe route was nice because it sort of you know kept uh, it, it you know kept the process pretty light. 
Henry, um, why'd you have to do that though? I mean, look, I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, obviously if you're going to go to the VC route, you got to go hard on the VC route. You can also stay bootstrapped and, you know, go bootstrapped and have more mm-hmm. freedom, you know, pay yourself in cash flow. Why did you, you know, most people are selling 20% of their business, the pre-seed round like this. I imagine yeah. you guys probably did something similar, right? So why did you need this 1.5 million? Um, well, I mean, first of all, we needed to be able to, you know, hire our first, uh, Patrick's a Java engineer. Um, I work a bit on the design and operations side of things, but, uh, neither of us was a full stack developer. And we knew that a big part of this was going to rely on, you know, the front end user experience. And so we brought on our first engineer with that money and our first couple full stack engineers with that money. Um, you know, other kinds of normal things. It's, it's nice to have healthcare. Um, it's nice not to be, you know, super, super stressed about, you know, the, the, the change in, in pace. Um, so you didn't leave New Relic then with like a bunch of savings where you gave yourselves like a year of runway to experiment with a new product. We did. I mean, we weren't paying ourselves uh, very, very good money. I mean, I would say we were we were definitely in the sort of ramen ramen salary category for a good long time. Um, I did. We did leave New Relic. I think with a healthy healthy enough nest egg to take the plunge. But yep. you know, obviously that you know that that also has its own stressors associated with it. Honestly, I think our biggest calculation was like, look, we really want investors at the table here who believe in what we're doing and who believe in kind of the vision of what we're going toward. And at the time, we didn't have a product and we didn't have users and we didn't have proof that the thesis would work. And so a big part of what we were trying to do was kind of bring a group of sort of people we had worked with in the past, people that kind of believed in us as, as you know, uh, product and growth people. Well, so um, how, how did Geoff Harris and Heather Redman, like at Flying Fish, did they did they know you from they, New Relic? How do you know they, them? They approached us um, after we had actually started building. So we were, that 500,000 basically took us to get our first feature out, which was this calendar sync feature, um, which we launched on Product Hunt. Uh, got quite a bit of traction on that. And then we launched a feature called uh, Habits. Uh, we launched the very, very early version of Habits, which at the time was literally just like lunch and catch up. It was like a separate feature where you could block time for email and block time for lunch. And um, they approached us not long after that and asked if uh, we'd be interested. And um, and we asked them if they'd be open to doing a smaller round. At that time, we were like, look, we're, we're building really quickly. Uh, raising's awesome, but we're just not ready to take that step yet. We're We're in a really good groove here. And um, would you be open to doing a smaller amount of money on a safe? And then as we get to the seed round, we'll, you know, we'll include you there as well. Um, And they were open to that. Remote teams are all the rage right now. In fact, many companies want to stay this way, even post pandemic. And the reasoning is obvious. Hiring talent from anywhere in the world means you can bring on better talent. But the challenges are very real. How do you manage employees in other countries legally and easily? What about international payroll, employee benefits? What are taxes like in countries that are far away from where you're based? You need to understand all of this, including local paperwork and local compliance for all your remote employees. Now, two of the most successful remote companies, both GitLab and Zapier, have reached multi-billion dollar valuations, and they use a special tool, a secret portal, I like to call it, at remote.com. Remote's platform is easy to use for full-time employees, contractors, and your HR team. They help you scale your international team, your remote team, at a price you can afford. Now look, when I sign up sponsors, you guys know I like to get a great deal for our listeners. Otherwise, we won't run the sponsorship. Well, Remote has delivered. Sign up today and receive a 50% discount off your first employee for the first three months. Check out nathanlacka.com forward slash remote and enter promo code LATKA to get started. That's nathanmaka.com forward slash remote and promo code L-A-T-K-A. Check it out today before you miss out.
So 1.5 at, I mean, what, fair to say like a six, seven million valuation, something like that, you sold 20%? Uh, I'm trying to remember, I believe it was a capped note and I think the cap was 10 and okay. I think we added, we added a discount as well. Wow. That's um, nice. Okay. So you got little premium terms there because your history, maybe at New Rail, mm-hmm. if you, you were close to the problem, that's great. Now you raised a little bit more after the 1.5. When was the last round? The last round closed, I believe we announced it in May of this year, and that was for uh, 4.8. And that was across uh, Index led the round, uh, Shardul Shah at Index Ventures. Um, and then Gradient, who we had actually spoken with in our first funding go around, came in and, and, and added some to it as well. And then we actually went through this pretty long process that I think was made the round take a lot longer to close, but we, I think- How long? Been, it probably took uh, two, three months, I'd say, in total to get everything fully, fully, fully closed. Yep. Um, a big part of that was that we brought 40 or 50 other strategic angels, including uh, Tope uh, from Calendly, uh, into the cap table. And, um, you know, it's it was one of those decisions, I think our, our sense was like, this is really the time you get to bring those people into the cap table where it makes sense for them. And so- How do you structure um, that, Henry? Because this is an art, right? So you get a million or two million committed from like traditional funds. Mm-hmm. What's the cold email that you send to Tope? What's the subject line? How do you get 40 of these? You know, you have your hit list, your wish list. How do you get them committed? You, I almost think of it more as like pools. You know, we've got, we had pools of people that were in our network that we knew of, that we were like, these are great people we want to work with. And um, we think they might be interested in investing. Um, there were people that the institutionals who we were working with introduced us to, um, and including Shardul and, and at the time MZ from Gradient. Tope was an interesting story because Tope actually we met because um, Patrick hung out in a, uh, a Slack channel where a number of folks basically uh, mix, uh, mix, uh, mix, um, uh, keeps, I want to say mix panel, mix max, excuse me. Uh, Calendly, a number of other calendar services hang out in there. And we all talk about various bugs that we're running into with the Google Calendar API. There was this issue that had been plaguing all of us for like two months where Google would just totally crap the bed every every week or so, almost like clockwork. Um, Patrick was part of the you know kind of group that identified the issue and he worked with Calendly's VP of engineering to you know troubleshoot and triage it. Um, we knew we wanted to talk to Tope as part of our round. And so we, you know, said, Hey, you know, if, yep. if you, if you'd be interested in introducing us to him, we'd love to talk to him. And, um, yeah, we got along. That makes, well. that makes sense. So 40, 50 angels. And that's great. Obviously power user base influencers, one to many sort of approach. Um, as we were running out of time here, so some quick stuff, what, what, what did you put in that seed slide deck, right? To show valuation mm-hmm. growth from the 10 million, because if you're only, if you're not wanting to get super diluted, you've got to raise 4.8 at like a. 40 or 50 pre, right? When you're pre-revenue still, right? So like mm-hmm. what story were you telling in that deck? I think the big story that we were telling was, you know, a couple things. So the first is, you know, this is a uh, sort of a nascent market where there is a lot of sort of, you know, uh, I would call it sort of a lot of overlapping opportunity. And we're kind of right at the center of project management scheduling and and calendaring, both of which are kind of these, you know, interesting and sort of growing markets. I think the biggest thing, though, that convinced investors was ultimately uh, user stickiness and user engagement. Um, we so were just what, seeing, what was that? You 6,000 users, how do you define stickiness? Stickiness for us is are people, are people coming back on a regular basis to interact with the, you know, are, are they basically interacting with the system day to day? Are they using it to plan their week? Are they relying on it? So um, what are your weekly active users today? Our, we, we measure them in monthly active users. I could grab the weekly numbers for you, but our, our monthly active users today are about 16,000. 
Um, and and uh, in oh, terms sorry, of when you said when you said customers, you said sixty thousand, not six thousand, six zero thousand. Sixteen one six. Sorry, how many? When okay, got it. Sixteen thousand. You you call them customers? They're users. Sixteen thousand users, users at least once once a mm-hmm. month. Yep. And that's and yep. that was up from four thousand about a year ago. Yep. So that four x growth, that's the main number you use in that deck to show your growth, show your you know getting closer to product market fit, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think see. and I think also just the element of like the the problem we were going after was a little different than say just scheduling or just calendaring. We were really oriented around this idea that the long-term vision for the business wasn't just to be a productivity tool. It was actually to help organizations and teams be better aligned to their priorities. And so I think, I think that story resonated with, um, with investors, but I think more than anything, they were seeing that, you know, early signs of product market fit and early signs that people were depending on the product to actually plan their week. Yeah. You've launched a bunch of things, right? Habits by Reclaim. Actually, Justin, my friend at Yak, I'm a small investor at Yak. Oh, nice. I did it. Yeah. I love that tool. I use it every day. But you, you've launched a bunch of these things, I think, to get out of just the, hey, we're, we're, we don't want to be the next X.AI that raises a bunch and flops because we're not mm-hmm. thinking about product. So makes makes complete sense there. And then, look, I mean, fair to say that was at like a 35, 40 million valuation, somewhere in there? Um, I uh, Probably... Uh... A little bit less than that, but yeah. Okay, in, fair in, enough. In so you, you guys yeah. did take a bit of a dilution there, but it sounds like you got some really incredible people on board. Yeah, I, actually, I mean, I'm pretty happy with where we ended up in terms of total amount raised and where we diluted. I think when we talked to peers in our space, we ended up diluting uh, pretty close to where people, where we expected to with a seed round. It's like 15% it actually, for a seed round, right? So, I mean, somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah. 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 And what's team size today? How many folks? 11 people, myself, 11. Uh, myself included, myself. Very included. cool. Well, this will be fun to watch as you turn on the paywall. I love the urgency you've created with, you know, free through May sign up now. And mm-hmm. as long as they stay sticky, man, you set yourself up to have a paywall conversion rate. That's really, really high once you do introduce it. So come back on in a year, give us an update. But in the meantime, man, uh, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Uh, good strategy, bad strategy. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Honestly, I, I, uh, none, none comes to mind. Number three, what's your, what's your favorite online tool for building Reclaim besides your own? Favorite online tool for building Reclaim? It's kind of a lame answer, but Intercom keeps us connected to our customers. All right. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Between five and six. All right. In situation, married, single kids? Uh, well, single with a partner, I should say, a partner. For tax purposes, I'm single. Uh, and, and, for, any yeah. kiddos or no? No kiddos. No kids. And how old are you? Uh, I am 32. 32. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Uh, it was not a huge mistake to major in history. <laughs> Guys, there you have it. Reclaim.ai, a new approach to claiming your calendar. They started uh, called two, three years ago. They've got they had four thousand users about a year ago. Now up to sixteen thousand users. A four point eight seed round raised recently. Team of eleven. As they think about what a calendar in 2022 should look like. Paywall not launched yet, but they have had a pricing page up just to understand user sentiment around pricing, using it right now as urgency to drive those new users who stay pretty darn sticky. We'll see what happens in 2022. Henry, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.